Welcome to the VMware Multi-Cloud Podcast. My name is Eric Nelson. With me today, I have my co-host, David Jasso. David, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Eric. Great. On today's show, we're going to be talking about VMware Intrinsic Security. We're lucky enough today to have VP of Solutions and Product Marketing, Manib. Manib, how do you say your last name? Minhazadeen. Minhazadeen. Yeah. Very nice, very nice. So you're VP of Solutions and Product Marketing. Uh, usually on our podcast, we'd like to get to know the person. Why don't you tell us a little bit? I'll hand it off to David. He can ask you, who are you? What do you do here at VMware? Cool. Yeah, we're just looking to tell us about sort of what you're doing now, but also give us some background on where you've been and what you've done in the past. Sure, uh, David. Uh, yeah, well, I've worked in the IT industry for 23 years. I started in pre-tech. I was a research scientist in Australia. Um, I was a Linux kernel contributor, um, you know, uh, a bunch of patents and, uh, you know, a part of the Wi-Fi invention, as you as you know it. So cool. pretty tech background, grew from that to, you know, product management, CTO, then product marketing, where I'm today. And, you know, yeah. You've also done sales, too, right? I think you've done I sales. Have, I have, yeah. I've uh, done a few different hats, but that's the diversity of the you know, experience you get end-to-end, -end, right? Yeah, it's cool. It's a great experience. That's actually interesting because coming from a technical engineering background, I worked at Sun Microsystems doing, you know, in the kernel team, right? And uh, coming into marketing, uh, sometimes you ever regret not writing code and being back, if you're working on a Linux kernel, to, how close do you stay close to any of that? Do you regret yeah. leaving? No, I, I'm not I'm not writing code anymore, but I, I believe some of my code still exists. So I lot of get, uh, hey, I've done this update to the code. I need approval to patch it in. I'm like, oh my God, my stuff still exists in the kernel somewhere, right? <laughs> so code review, code approve is still coming my way in my Gmail account, but hey, I'm not writing code anymore, so. That's pretty cool still. Uh, Hey, we're going to talk about intrinsic security and, um, you know, what VMware is doing around intrinsic security. But maybe we could start with just, you know, what is intrinsic security? I mean, it's like we know security, but what's intrinsic security? Yeah, it's actually a new approach, right, um, to security. What we're seeing is, um, you know, as people go into this multi-cloud environments, you know, it's it's very much application-driven, right? So uh, everybody's writing applications. It's easy to write down applications and using services in all the clouds. Um, suddenly, you find a lot more of your data, which used to be in the data center, now outside the data center. Um, and people are trying to scale their security mechanisms, how they protected their stuff in the data center, in these multiple, multiple clouds, multiple devices, and really struggling. Mm -hmm. um, what you find, though, is really that push, because it's a business-driven push, I want to get apps as fast as possible so I can monetize it, is people are missing the mark on scaling security properly. That's why you see this unprecedented levels of breaches today, right? So mm -hmm. uh, the amount of breaches, the amount of security holes you see is huge because people in a hurry to go to these clouds are not applying the same diligence they used to do in a data center. That's interesting because, you know, we did a hackathon last weekend at Santa Clara University. Great guys. And the, the speed in which you can build an app now is just is crazy fast, right? And you just see how quickly they are. But I looked at, we, are also, we also run some platforms where we're doing some migrations. And we looked at how many things we hadn't cleaned up, right, and turned off. And how many services and how many pieces were still running that was from 2006, right? And I think security probably falls into that same space where you're in such a rush to get your, your application done and out and in production that security is one of these things that's an, sometimes an afterthought. Absolutely. And that's where it, it actually manifests itself in how we see enterprises having their you know, um, security products. They're bolted on after the thought, right? So the biggest concern you have is you do your applications are done and then like, oh my God, I got to protect this because I don't know what I'm going to get exposed to. They start bolting products on either after the thought or after a breach because you know they get exposed to something that happens and then or there is a ransomware that comes out and then they go oh here's a pine product that's going to fix it so they take it and they bolt it on and they keep bolting it on and bolting it on and bolting it on and then you know complexity is not uh you know doesn't help security yeah absolutely i uh, was i was lucky enough to catch uh, tom corn talking about intrinsic security i think it was last year at vmworld and you know he talked about focusing on 
you know, a small number of endpoints and really focusing on that and getting security very close to those things. And that was sort of a big part of intrinsic security. Maybe you could talk a little bit about, you know, endpoints and, you know, sort of those control points. Actually, it wasn't endpoints. It was control points. And uh, what does it mean to bring intrinsic security to those control points? Yeah, actually, as we were building the, you know, uh, the premise around how is going to be aware, you know, disrupt this security marketplace. Um, we did a lot of uh, research, right? And I was involved uh, in this for almost two years now, where we got involved with workshops with, with the CISOs, with actually DODs, you know, Cyber Command in Washington, et cetera. Um, what we were trying to find is what was the crown jewel that everybody's trying to protect? Because everybody's applying a lot of these tools, but what are you trying to protect at the end of the day? Uh, our kind of genesis came from the fact that was consistent was everybody was trying to protect their apps and data. Right, so and they were trying to protect this apps and data, and they were looking for how people were breaching those apps and data. What are those points of breaches? Typically, those points of breaches where people are coming through network, right, and trying to access your information. Or they were taking up your identity access, your passwords, and trying to get in. What do they do when they either come from the network or identity access? Well, if they have their credentials, they try to you know, take on your device. Uh, if they come through the network, they're trying to take on your machines or workloads. Could be your web servers, your database servers, et cetera. So we started identifying or mapping out these points of breaches across your apps and data. Fundamentally, they want to get your apps and data because you can get to the data directly, but that's bits and bytes. I don't know how to decode it. Getting it through my applications then gets me the decoder of what that you know, data means to mm -hmm. me. Right? So we established this points of breaches being you know, network, endpoint, identity access, uh, workload, and now more and more in the cloud. Yeah, the resources in the cloud. Resources in the cloud. So we established that, oh my God, if we can think about you know, securing those apps and data across these uh, control points, call this the points of breaches, how do we take these points of breaches and convert them into the control points? Mm -hmm. That was our uh, premise of building our solution around it. And uh, what suddenly you know, lay out as we kind of thought of this kind of five control points, we then looked at the 3,500 security startups and companies in the marketplace. They seemed to nicely fall into those five buckets as well. Cool. Right? That was kind of like, oh, oh my God, this thing's just coming together. And everybody's trying to ch chase and save this apps and data. Right? So um, that was the kind of the starting point of those control points. Then it became, what can VMware do about it? Mm -hmm. Right, it's just like yeah, great. We're trying to find a thesis. We can you know do security well. Um, if we can protect this, so where does VMware start? Yep. How do we you know uh, have a play? How do we help the market with this? Right, yep. um, is basically we thought again. VMware is a software company, right? If we can define a security posture for those apps and data across these five control points, you know, network policy, endpoint policy, identity policy, you know, policy around all these control points in software and establish the boundary across your apps and data. Now, doesn't matter what happens to your apps and data, if they start moving to multiple clouds or the edge, or the applications or data are decomposed into containers, we can retain that security posture. Yep. Right? And this whole approach is where we came up with the intrinsic security is to say that, I you know, we believe we can do this. So, re so just to recap, I just want to make sure we recap this. Um, so think about there's five main and uh, control points that you focus in on and you've we've talked about bolt on so it's bringing that a lot closer embedding it in these these control points and then doing that across multi-cloud right that's sort of like then that's really gives you that ability to address security broadly in a multi-cloud environment yeah i think it's first defining those uh, your security posture across your apps and data that could be just anywhere you mm -hmm. want then, as your apps and data depart to clouds or get decomposed into containers, you retain that posture. Because right now, that's where, you know, things go wrong. Yep. Where you try to kind of, ah, I've got my firewalls, I've got my, you know, and all my security principles in place in my data center. As soon as my stuff moves into the cloud, 
I'm like, oh my God, I got to go apply that again over there. Yeah. Uh, one of the questions I have, or at least one of the observations is like, I look at all the services that are out there to build a modern app. You're, you're just using so many services that these services end up being their little silos, right? Yeah. And then a, a typical application that we watch these applications, modern apps being built, they might have 10 different services. And how do you secure that when you're trying to secure each service, right? Independently, then you have holes in each service and you, and these services, then if you do multi-cloud where the services are coming from best of breed clouds it's like how do you manage that and so the intrinsic nature of what we're we're presenting is a way to try to, to address that absolutely imagine if the service already came with an attribute called security and all you had to do is like you know as you build these applications in the registry you're you know giving it a one or a zero and you're switching it on uh, that's what we're talking about right so it's just like hey uh, we can just build in security because we observe that the market is kind of bolting security on and as I define all these control points, don't get me wrong, each of the control points operates in its own silo. And yep. generally, they're just chasing threats. Right. right. So we feel yeah, that's that, where the yeah. control points actually make sense, right? Yes. Because I can't maybe control the security of every SaaS thing that I'm building, right? And a lot of them don't have ones or zeros I can pass in. But if you have the control points and you build security around the control points, then you you've just made the whole thing secure because there's just no way into it. Yeah, and you you know, that's an amazing way of reducing your attack surface, right? And it's right. basically, you know, you can build more and more kind of, you know, threat hunting capabilities, but right. first what you do is clean your house, right? You reduce the attack surface, you lock down this posture across these control points, safeguard your apps and data. Now you can start shooting at the bad guys coming at you. Now, you know, we've proven that doing this, you reduce your attack surface by 80 to 90%, right? There's got to be some benefit of um, focusing in on those five control points and also then making it embedded rather than bolt-on because I think, I mean, what's the what typical organization probably has, you know, 10, 20, how many uh, uh, you'd be that, Yeah, know. you would be surprised that, you know, um, we did the survey with Forbes and we found on average an enterprise has, you know, 70 to 75 tools. And uh, true story, VMware IT also had 100 plus tools three years ago. So, you know, we like to drink our own champagne, right? Um, and we took this approach at VMware IT and today we're down to about a dozen plus products. Cool. So we've yeah. significantly, you know, cut off almost 90 plus products and tools taking this approach. Mm -hmm. okay. I just got to imagine that if I'm a security officer for a large company, this would keep me up at night. I would be worried about losing my job just because there's so many SaaS services multi-clouds, apps that get spun up on a new cloud, and you know we acquire a small company that has this, and how do you make sense of your risk management across all of these things without taking this approach? Actually, it's a, it's seriously a bold problem, right? Uh, it is a, it's something that at the bold level everybody's discuss, discussing is about risk mitigation, how do I not put my trust in brand? Now, I won't take any names on big breaches we've seen largely, but you know, it's just huge, the, the, the hit on the business itself, right? So it's significant. People lose the trust and you don't get, you know, you lose your brand name, mm -hmm. and that's right. it's everything. Well, not only that, but your IP is at risk, right? Oh, yeah. There are some really great stories about how companies just went out of business because their IP got put out on the internet, right? Absolutely. And then all of a sudden, yeah. there were other people that were coming in with services that had the same IP, and you know, what do you do, right? Yeah, it's out. Yeah, yeah. Right? No, I think right. it's it's significant. I think it's just you know, uh, it's such a and you know, it's a it's an interesting time. We are at the week of RSA, and you know. Uh, I have been at the show for the last three days, and I can still see um, you know, hundreds of announcements. Everybody's still solving the point problems, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. uh, where they get to is really, you know, they are not getting ahead of the game. They're chasing threats. Yep. And, yeah, now that's, so, that's a fundamental issue we have. So five control points. We talked about uh, identity access management, uh, devices, uh, network, um, the um, workloads and cloud resources. Um, last year, we announced and closed the acquisition on Carbon Black. Where does Carbon Black fit into all of this? Thing? Yeah, look, you know, as we did the diligence on these components, where does VMware's portfolio fit into these control points? You know, we had a huge kind of lift in in the networking piece with NSX, right? Mm -hmm. So if you look at these control points, we started with getting into the security space with NSX, with micro segmentation, distributed firewalls, or a long period of time. Um, 
we've further enhanced that recently with capabilities like, hey, service-defined firewall, host IPS IDS that we you know, recently announced. So we can, we've got the networking control point, we believe, to a good degree. Now, when it came to identity access, we have built those capabilities with Workspace ONE, uh, you know, partnerships with Okta to establish everybody's identity. Mm -hmm. So we started looking at these control points where we already had some assets. Right, cloud, we in the, you know, we got secure state, which we've integrated with Cloud Health, which maintains governance and you know configurations in the cloud. We'd built a you know app defense organically into vSphere to monitor the workload component. Mm -hmm. We were missing in those control points an endpoint security element. That was the the you know rationale for us to go and acquire Carbon Black because that was a missing part of those control points that we needed to establish. Because if we don't establish those control points, we could easily get disintermediated. So first was, hey, let's build a business case around those, you know, and see where we found that we have the gap in the endpoint side. As we, you know, looked at the market at who are the best vendors to acquire for, you know, security of the endpoint, we saw an interesting trend in that marketplace. You know, you had old vendors and you had new vendors. You had old vendors who were looking at what you call endpoint protection platforms. These were typical antivirus companies like Symantec's and McAfee's of the world. And you had the newer generation companies who were more, you know, uh, endpoint detection and response. Uh, so that, you know, we saw the two markets converging of endpoint protection as well as endpoint detection and response. Mm -hmm. And the new players were coming in with much lesser footprint. So we focused on the newer players and, you know, we decided to go with Carbon Black. A lot of the opportunities with Carbon Black was, hey, we already have endpoint management with Workspace ONE. We could combine that with, you know, uh, endpoint security because management security could be done together. Second, we're already partnering with them for app defense. The same way you managed endpoint, you can also manage workloads now because workloads are now mobile. They go mm -hmm. into the cloud and everywhere. So I can also look at the same heuristics of workloads. So um, Carbon Black was a perfect fit for us because it did both the you know Workspace ONE as well as vSphere kind of integration. The final point in Carbon Black was they had built capability which they used to call live ops and now we call it audit and remediation, is, which is very unique to any other EDR vendor, was this live ops capability provided all config management. Um, in the past, you, people may have used tools like Tanium, et cetera, to manage mm -hmm. configuration of endpoints. Uh, um, Carbon Black was the only kind of EDR vendor who kind of also developed that capability, which was a huge, easy fit for us with Workspace ONE because Workspace ONE does management. Now I can track configuration. So that was magic for us. For all those three reasons, we went ahead with Carbon Black acquisition. I think there was another uh, sort of jewel in the crown, and you and I have talked about this before, but the, the – um Sorry, I just got distracted there. Um, the um, there's there was this aspect of Carbon Black. I think we've talked about before was about um, what they were doing in terms of analytics as well. Basically, oh yeah, right? absolutely right. So um, where Carbon Black's history came from, they did a lot of on-prem stuff, but then they started kind of moving it into the cloud. And when they moved it into the cloud, uh, they started building this AI ML um, data lake engine, which was looking at behavioral attributes. Where security is evolved today is not like looking at signatures and you know patterns. It is so much, so much signal. It's not looking for behaviors, and the best way to kind of track those behaviors was you know machine learning and and looking at new patterns and new attack vectors. Um, so, this is the second part of our internship security strategy, right? The first piece is establish those control points. Mm -hmm. Second is how do we get all the signals or telemetry from these control points, starting with you know, Carbon Black. Carbon mm -hmm. Black already has all those EDR signals you get from all the endpoints they manage. But given that five control points, now we also have NSX intelligence, which generates the telemetry for 80 million NSX switchboards. Mm -hmm. Now we also have workload signals that we get from 60 million on-prem vSphere workloads. We also get signals from 10 million vSphere workloads in the cloud and 100 million plus devices of Workspace ONE. So suddenly we find mm. ourselves in this unique yeah. position that we can collect uh, actually estimated 1.3 trillion dollar signal, uh, 1.3 trillion signals a day from purely the VMware real estate we have mm -hmm. in the marketplace. And then 
put an AI ML engine to look at all the attack patterns. We were in an enviable position there. Yep. And Carbon brought, yeah. Carbon Black brought that starting point with the AI ML engine. Absolutely, they got that engine. We're now trying to building the pump, you know, the plumbing of that data to aggregate all that data, which becomes the second pillar of our intrinsic solution, where we initially talked about not bolt-on, built-in. Mm -hmm. The second is siloed. All these signals are siloed, right? So when you look at the networking element, there's a lot of signals people get, look at network traffic, attack traffic. You've got big vendors like Cisco, Palo Alto who can solve that problem for mm -hmm. you. When you look at endpoint, again, you've got Symantec, McAfee, all those guys will solve that point endpoint problem for you, right? So everybody's solving point problems. We suddenly have, you know, in an enviable position to bring all those signals together, correlate it, Again, the context is applications and data. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be chasing every threat comes at me. I only want to worry about the threat that is coming to expose my web server or my application in context of that application. Mm -hmm. So I filter all the noise, I get the context of my applications, then I look for the only the signals, I correlate them. That starts giving VMware the edge that nobody else has in the marketplace. You know, those individual control points, 3,500 vendors all playing for it. Mm -hmm. The second evolution of the strategy when we actually bring all the data and start correlating that data, applying an AI ML engine is magic because that nobody can do. Yep, absolutely. I just look at this and it's it sounds great, right? Uh, this sounds like a great story. Sounds like a couple guys in marketing talking to me about <laughs> how we're going to do this. When we talk about going to market, right? We yep. acquired Carbon Black, right? Yep. We have AI ML in vSphere. We get these, you know, the we're we're looking at the control points. Where are we when it comes to trying to roll some of this out? No, that's a great question, right? Um, two components of it, right? So this is where you asked me the as I started, like you went from R and D to marketing, right? right. So. Uh, one of the things I try to keep real is I try to market the stuff that is real. I know that I can you know, stand behind. So I'll give you an idea of the roadmap of what's available today and what's coming, right? So um, what is available today? The huge benefit of, again, Carbon Black was, as you know, we were working with them for two years with for App Defense. And for the last nine months for, you know, as part of Trust Network for Workspace ONE, mm -hmm. right? So we built some integrations as partnerships. So. As we brought this control points and integration, um, we acquired, we closed, we announced intent to acquire Carbon Black on the 22nd of August, and we closed the acquisition of 8th of October. In December, 1st of December, in our price books, we had available the integration of Carbon Black with vSphere. Excellent. Right? So because we've been working on it for two years, we called the product App Defense. App Defense was a subset of Carbon Black. We bought the full feature set. Yep. Right. Um, I did not know that. Right? That's news to me. I didn't realize that App Defense was a subset of what Carbon Black offered. Absolutely. That's how we did that. Yeah, no, no, absolutely, right? And then the second, also on the 1st of December, we brought, because we worked with, you know, Workspace ONE Trust Network and doing all the risk scoring uh, using Workspace Intelligence, well, there was full integration. So we brought a Workspace Security solution to market on the 1st of December, available for sale, where we combined both Workspace ONE and you know, carbon black. Yep. Um, the technical integration is not done. I'll be honest with you. This is a marketing integration. It's a package you can buy. Yeah, you can get it. You can buy the package, both products together. Sure. Where vision by VMworld timeframe is to build a single unified agent. Because if you go and look up every PC, every device, you have a plethora of agents running. Mm -hmm. They're all running, you know, and, you know, at, Antivirus stuff is taking up 15, 20% of your cycles. You know, all other agents, management agents, this and that takes up 20, 25%. Yep. Now, I don't know if you know the stat, Workspace ONE takes up only 0.8% of your cycle. Yep. Right? Uh, so yeah. our goal is to have a single agent for management and security, Workspace ONE with Carbon Black, that runs at a 1% footprint. Yeah, it's awesome. The, the idea of agent reduction is a great thing because uh, not only is there overhead, but it's each one of those is has to have a lifecycle management and you know, you're doing all that stuff and after a while it's just really daunting. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to go, um, you know, we spent a, a quite a bit of time on uh, Carbon Black and what it does. A lot of the people that are listening to this probably aren't that familiar with our portfolio and we've mentioned some of the products, but maybe we can go a little deeper on each of them and starting with app, App Defense, which you've mentioned a few times, in terms of what it is and what it does, and you know, and uh, so the people aren't f that aren't familiar with our portfolio, we'll take them through the the offerings at each of those co uh, control points, and maybe starting with workload. Sure. Well, obviously, everybody listening has got a vSphere there, right? So, yeah. um, so 
you know, two years in, what we built with App Defense was um, simplistically posed was like whitelisting of your applications, right? So, um, again, in the effort to reduce signal to noise ratio, is I could be putting up all kinds of you know firewalls or threats against my workload, but in a known good state, i.e., if it's a SQL database or it's an SAP workload, when we know it's working in a perfect way. We know the heuristics of those applications. It, for example, it runs 90 processes. You know, the proxy uses up that many CPU cycles, that much memory. So we know what good looks mm -hmm. like. So the idea of app defense sitting inside of vSphere is to lock down the good state. So when we know that we're not compromised, what does the CPU performance, memory, storage, all of those look like? And we, mo you know, we monitor that and we lock it down. And then we start looking for discrepancies. Like mm -hmm. suddenly, if my proc D is you know going through the roof on CPU cycle, it's a malicious attack, or you know we start looking for those patents and we alarm on those patents. So very much on a hypervisor because we're in the unique position to look at every IOPS memory CPU request. We can monitor the the profile of this application, mm -hmm. whitelist them, and maintain it. Yeah. So you know what good looks like, and when you see something that doesn't look good, you alarm you can and you alarm or and, and exactly. you know, automate remediation and things like that. Uh, exactly. And since vSphere six dot five onwards, I think App Defense has been kind of part of the vSphere component. Where the piece where we were kind of subscribing to Carbon Black, because where's the where's the Carbon Black integration, right? So Carbon Black integration was basically we were querying Carbon Black to find out if new breaches, new incident response for, hey, what is the latest patches that I'm getting? What are the CVEs that are happening for, you know, Apache server, Tomcat, you know, uh, MongoDB, you know, et cetera, et cetera. How do you keep track of that? Because we don't know what it yep. is. So we got to right. quote query somebody and find out what are the latest CVEs that are being published for this, right? So, and that's how we were querying Carbon Black. Now we can bring that integration, you know, in permanently, yep. right? So that was our app defense portfolio. Yep. And um, you mentioned NSX. I mean, most people, it's been around for a while. People have heard about it, but maybe talk about it from a security standpoint. Before we get oh, into that, ahead. I want to go back to the sure. to what, what you were talking about, which is, for me, security is always an arms race, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just constantly changing. And and then you, you're having to deal with the attack that's coming this week, what's going to be coming next week, and I can't keep track of everything. So it's that integration with Carbon Black that actually gets the dynamic nature of what's actually happening in real time that allows you to sit back and let that happen. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the way real, you know, SecOps uh, dashboards work, you've got a bunch of analysts, right? So it's the same if it, you're, you're doing, you know, FBI, CIA analyst, and this is the same as, you know, SecOps guys are looking at all the uh, analysts are looking at all the trends that are going on, right? right? So um, a lot of the times for the analyst, like any other analyst, is trying to separate the, the signal from all the noise. And as we can establish, the NICE is getting more and more. How do I can get to the signal? So most of these analysts are looking for latest threats, latest vulnerabilities. They know all these you know reports they're getting, and and looking at those dashboards, um, where we believe is as we correlate all these data, we establish the security posture, we are filtering more and more of the, the signal out of the NICE, so that what reports we establish, then what we show them in the dashboard, say. You walked into is a relevant. Yeah. is relevant and right. it's very contextual. So if you went and looked at the the carbon black you know cloud dashboard, that's what you see. You got an analyst view, you got a you know IT operations view, you've got a you know infosec view, etc. The analyst view is basically you can see all the all the, all the patterns that, yeah, that are going on sure. and where the alarms coming up. You can open up the alarm. I can blow up that to say, what is that exe file that's generating it? Which is the IP address? So you can have all these kind of, you know, forensic uh, way you can go through and get the root cause of what's going on dashboard. Now, they were amazingly doing it just for endpoints. Mm -hmm. Their real estate was, you know, uh, Windows, laptops, etc. We were able to take that and expand it to, as I said before, the entire VMware real estate, mm -hmm. which is nice. huge. Okay. So you have the context of what's happening across all those control points, and you also have the, uh, you know, the ability to see topology and things like that. Oh, that is that. huge, right? So, you know, I know, you know, you were like when you were t telling me about NSX and stuff like that. What you don't realize is when it comes to networking, for example, and correlation of this data, is every networking went around there. When they're looking at traffic patterns and stuff like in the network, the bits on the wire, they're looking at those patterns. They're inspecting the packets. They're looking at the payload, the header, the blah, blah, blah. 
right? So they say they monitor three IP addresses, you know, IP address A, B, C. They look at all the patterns. They may come back to you and say, ah, look, these are the traffic patterns for you. Where VMware is so unique is most likely those IP addresses are virtualized on VMware hypervisor. Mm -hmm. So we're able to correlate the data even before the first packet hits the network. Yep. I can tell you that the IP address A is a web server, the IP address B is a database server, and the IP address C is an app server of the same you know, e-commerce app. Mm -hmm. And even before the first packet goes out, I know what it needs to look like. Yep. Nobody else can correlate that data. Yep. Just imagine, awesome. right? So we know the context. We know what needs to happen. Everybody else in the marketplace who can do amazing things and have been in the network industry for decades has to wait for the packet to come out, inspect the patterns for a period of time, and then come to a hypothesis of what that looks like. We don't have to. Right. We can predict what's going to happen. Yep. That's pretty awesome. So that's the role of, the, of NSX, you know, that's, and that's a benefit of NSX being your networking layer. Well, I think there's a lot of benefits yeah. there, yeah, right? So, yeah, so, you know, NSX gives you full layer two to layer seven virtualization capabilities. Now, uh, you can manifest in switching, routing. When it comes to security, it's about distributed firewalls, yep. right? So when you think about distributed firewalls, they become, you know, powerful mechanism because um, I could have all my firewalls at the edge, but, you know, we've seen more than 80% of the time since somebody punches through the firewall, then they laterally move and attack over everything. Mm -hmm. So that drove the need for micro-segmentation to protect each of the workloads directly. And if you do it using the edge, you are hairpinning a whole lot of traffic. Mm -hmm. So the best way to do it is move that functionality straight into your hypervisor, which is what NSX does. So first element, distribute the firewalls. Yep. Once you got that distribution of the firewalls built in, the second element then becomes, hey, how can I correlate that with intent, which is what we do. We, we took micro-segmentation, elevated that to service-defined firewalls. Mm -hmm. The next element, once I know my application intent, I know my firewalls. Now, what is my signature? So if you look at my host IPS IDS, which is a new capability we announced at VMware Barcelona, is now signatures. I know the signatures of the patterns of my Apache server, of my you know, MongoDB, of all those. So I can then have those signatures right there to validate that. Cool. And finally is your, you know, as more and more of this goes into the cloud, is, is your, you know, the, the web you know, application firewalls, right? So there's a firewall component which monitors traffic. Then there is the application firewalls, which are basically track, you know, tracking. We can build all of that into NSX. Cool. Very cool. That's cool with NSX. I just want to go back to the days when all I had to worry about was whether I encrypted uh, the ESX boot. <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the, the happy days when I—it's—it's it's such a complex, complex problem now. But it's almost like we have like a, a V center for V motion. We've got actually consoles being built that will give you this whole vision that's that's talking down to the STDC components, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think the world went complicated from very simplistically, you know, philosophically, from a client-server architecture to this cloud-native architecture, right? Where the client-server right. architecture was simple because. Most of us designed infrastructure and dictated that the applications shall be written to that infrastructure. Where it's very easy, where it's fully can control because you first build the, uh, the plumbing and then go write the app. You know, I've been an app developer that way, right? In my, in my application decisions, I have, to, I have to write the application for a TCP socket or a UDP socket. Sometimes I'm hard coding IP addresses because my infrastructure is so baked in. Now change to your hackathon over the weekend. Right. And, you know, this new yeah. cloud native services have no respect for infrastructure. Yeah. They don't conform to any of the infrastructure requirements. How do you get, you know, governance and security around that is what we're all dealing with. And right? It's probably such a great example too, that hackathon because those guys, you know, those teams built it, those guys, girls, uh, built it in a way where it probably does represent how people build software today, which is they just built the functionality and the features and, and uh, yep. security was an afterthought, right? Yeah. It's like, okay, now what, how do we secure this thing? Basically? And, you know, our fundamental goal is let them be agile. Let them build those services, but let's build in the security like as part of that, right? So as they just go switch on and say how much memory tick, how much CPU tick, Security is on or off intrinsic tick. Yeah. Done, right? So 
Last thing I want to mention before we move on, I know we're going to be talking about uh, ecosystem partners and that kind of stuff, but I, I want to go back to the 0.08% CPU utilization because we've been, I've been writing some apps lately, um, client-based apps just for fun, uh, you know, writing in C, C++. You know. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I actually wrote a device driver, but I'm looking at my CPU utilization just for some kind of cool thing that's looking at a device and doing something, and it's like I'm at, uh, you know, 18%. Right, ah. you know, for a typical thing that's just running, polling, looking at stuff, and it's like 0.08% for something that's going to be managing your your workloads, right, uh, on on clients. How do we accomplish that? Engineering effort. We're the best engineering company, and you know, I have. I'm glad you you know you're kind of getting me excited on my developer days, right? So <laughs> because my first coding was VXWorks and then real-time OS and Linux real-time OS. I was writing these, right? So I would write my code in less than a week, and then I'd spend six or eight weeks making sure I reduced the footprint and the performance and the footprint and the right. performance again and iteratively because, you know, I'm, when I'm writing this, my memory, you know, allowance is like, you know, in kilobytes, right? I got to pull this entire codec in and I got to build this in. Writing the code wasn't the hard part. Optimizing it for real time was the hard part. Right. And, you know, engineering effort is, you know, workspace one as we've kind of gone in and looked at it, right. you know, AirWatch, you know, consoles, et cetera. We kept optimizing and optimizing and optimizing. Because right? that's what I see in these point products when you do the bolt-ons, right? Like you're looking at 10% per bolt-on. Oh, right? yeah. You know, the, and then that's actually pretty good because I'm at 18% just for a driver thing that's doing polling, right? Like, yeah. So that's a, that's actually a good reason yeah. to, to look intrinsically and, and do this is just the CPU utilization and keeping stuff out of the way. Oh, right? geez, yeah. yeah. Look, I mean, as a developer, I switched off everything because it got in my way of me doing work because I'm already milking the most out of my CPU, out of my memory. I didn't want to, you know, an antivirus coming and inspecting and spending 20% of my CPU, but every function call coming and wasting my time, right? Yep. I want to uh, stay with... Um, before we get to ecosystem, because we we've covered off a, four, a few of the core technologies, but we haven't really we've mentioned Workspace One over and over. But um, again, if you're not familiar with it, maybe you can give a short overview of what it is, and then secure state for in dealing with uh, cloud resources. Sure, no, uh, well, it's not Workspace One, right? Uh, historically, and. Um is this the year at the desktop? Every year is the year at the desktop. But, you know, we're in this notion where VMware, you know, one of the first products we had was Workstation, right? And we started with the virtual desktop component, which was, hey, I'm going to do virtualized desktops and, and deliver that to folks in a virtual environment. Where we, you know, changed the strategy around that was with the acquisition of, you know, AirWatch. Um, we started trying to bring not just you know, hey, I'm doing virtual desktops, but let me look at the way applications are consumed now. And we took the model of a mobile and we blended that with desktops. Mm -hmm. So really, Workspace One, not just the AirWatch acquisition, a whole plethora of applications, uh, acquisitions, you know, app, uh, app volume, cloud volumes, Mirage, et cetera, et cetera, right? So we had a whole acquisitions, but fundamentally what we did, technically, was we virtualized. Mm -hmm. We virtualized the, the device from the OS. We virtualized the OS from the user. We virtualized the user from the application. So we created these levels of um, virtualization between all those components so that we can manage them seamlessly. So it doesn't matter what type of device you brought, what type of op operating system you bought, what type of user who's going to use it, workspace applications, we're able to kind of run heterogeneously across all of those. Mm -hmm. So Workspace One, we built it out to be a common platform to run across your choice of endpoints. Mm -hmm. Mobile, PCs, IoT, all of that. That became, you know, a unified endpoint management tool, modern management tool to manage it with additional capabilities like, you know, single sign-on, mm -hmm. multi-factor authentication, you know, zero trust because that's big. Everybody's thinking about bring your own device, but I'll go you put you through this ringers to make sure then you're authenticated. So we were building that endpoint management capability. With that came a lot of security identity yeah. access for single sign-on. That was huge. And then we see that management, EMM market, and the EPPEDR collapse. That's mm -hmm. where the you know management and security needs to be a single yep. thing. We see that convergence happen. So that was one of the rationale of how the management and security started to kind of bleed into this, yep. right? So um, because everybody is, wants to do zero, zero trust. Bring your own device with no security, and I'll put you through my security policies. Then I'll authenticate you. Then you have the right to play, Yep. right? Um, that was the kind of lead into that. And finally, secure state. Um, as more and more assets more moved into the, uh, you know, workloads moved into the cloud, how do you maintain the state of that, 
right? Because that was a big problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, is just say I have this multi-cloud environment. My hybrid cloud, you know, applications run in multiple places. I am a bank. I am somebody who tracks, you know, credit cards. I need to be PCI compliant or HIPAA compliant. How am I going to enforce those compliance across multiple cloud infrastructures? Yep. Um, so cloud, you know, secure state became the vehicle for us to maintain configuration and conformance across all the real estates. Cool. Right. So and that was powerful too. Right? Yeah, I so, think yeah. it's, it's an awesome tool. Uh, so you mentioned um, Eric uh, ecosystem, right, and sort of what we're doing there. Yeah. Now look, you know. Um, Ecosystem is a powerful thing. We're not here to solve everything in the security space, right? So we are infrastructure company. So we want to leverage infrastructure to reduce our tax surface. We established those control points. And we said that, hey, this is control points. We can reduce your tax surface. You can put some policy. We can put some intelligence around it. We still need help, right? So it's not like, hey, we still need to partner with. We don't have any analytical engines in there, right? We need to look for partnerships on the SIM space. Right, so it's just like in you know, a partnership with like the Splunks of the world because I got to take this data, analyze that data, and work it through. Well, uh, not only that, but the, there's relationships in the security business, right? Oh yeah. And so we're not here to try to you know break every relationship that you've ever established when you're not at all. dealing yeah. with security. Oh yeah, no, no. There's a lot of trusted, you know, invested, you know, uh, um, intellectual property there, right? So when it comes to networking, hey, we're partnering Palo Alto, mm-hmm. you know, we're you know, so we're partnering with a lot of these, you know, vendors. Uh, but as I said, the value prop is. While they chase and solve those point problems with point telemetry, we find ourselves in the unique position to actually correlate that yep. because nobody can correlate it like we can. Cool. Yeah, right? So um, there are partnerships for Okta, the partnership with Zscaler for cloud, Okta for identity, you know, Palo Alto for networking. Um, again, you know, um, endpoint security, we already had you know, a lot of can establish partnerships. So we could technology partnerships. But also in the security space, we have partnerships with what I would call managed security providers. And more importantly, incident response guys. Because what really keeps your security um, framework real or up to date is looking at those attack patterns. Like most of these MSSPs or incident response folks, I'll give an example of SecureWorks, who is kind of part of the Dell Technologies, but they are they do 10,000 plus incident response a year. What that means is when the incident happens, how do they go fix it? Why is that important? Because then you start picking up in your data lake AIML engine the new patterns that you have not seen before. So you've got to be constantly be you know, looking at incidents that happen. More volumes of incidents that you see, you start picking up newer patterns that you can start applying into your, into your infrastructure control points to keep track of. Right? So ecosystem is huge for us. Starting with Dell, you know, SecureWorks, and then wider partnerships with, you know, all the MSSPs and, you know, incident response guys because, you know, security is a team sport. You can't play it alone, right? All right, because this is a real-time podcast, right, where we're we're in real-time here, uh, RSA. Yeah. Dell selling RSA, right? Um, they oh, announced, geez. They, yeah. uh, they announced yeah. the sale of RSA. Absolutely. Um, that means they're an ecosystem partner now. Right. Um, do we do much with them? I mean, people are going to ask. Like, so uh, we just could, we just uh, spun it off. Maybe we're still totally integrated with them. But I was just curious, what's your take on that? I know you're up at the conference all week. I was, I was. You know, Dell selling RSA. You know, as you know, the RSA was part of the family. A lot of the places where we saw integrations or conversations with RSA, I'll be honest with you, was RSA Archer, because a big pillar. You know, we've covered these control points and we've talked about infrastructure. But in reality, as you know, this gets played out, most organizations are looking for GRC, you know, governance, risk, compliance, mm-hmm. right? We're not a governance, risk, compliance company. We're just, you know, we are an infrastructure company. Right. So they're looking for, you know, a kind of straight in went to RSA Archer because, you know, a lot of the risk scoring, the risk mitigation that they talk about, governance, you know, risk compliance is, is managed through RSA Archer. We're never going to be in that business. Right. But then we're able to work with RSA and think about GDPR. Because GDPR is data privacy. It's how do I govern that? How do I mitigate my risk around that and be complying with that? So a lot of the times we'll have to work with them on those kind of GRC principles because they're more like SecOps operational um, requirements. And 
you know, we're not in that. We're not we're, in that business. We're, we're a software yeah. company right. writing, you know, software, right? So we see that partnership continue to happen. And, you know, I, I can't, you know, speculate about what's going to happen there. But we see that GRC component, RCR, are critical to us kind of still being in that ecosystem. We, cool. had, we had some news at RSA, right? And some big we had there. some big news. We announced our, you know, cloud foundation, you know, with security. We announced our, you know, carbon black, uh, you know. Uh, we actually, first time, we published a threat report. Um, VMware and Carbon Black together, right? Nice. Uh, uh, you know, obviously, VMware was never a security company. <laughs> we didn't right. ever publishing threat reports. But right. with the Carbon Black piece, we were able to sub publish uh, an interesting threat report on the same vein of Carbon Black was just doing endpoint stuff. Now we're able to look at additional real estate and provide some threat analytics around that. That's what I feel like. I feel like when we, we used to interview Tom Korn and stuff, we talk security, but it was just kind of an point point solutions at the same time, right? Yeah. Like where where with Carbon Black now, we we really are. You know, we're doing threat assessments. We're actually we are in, a security that company, right? right? So That's I think right. that where right. you know our evolution has been that. No, I'll be honest. We hardened our infrastructure for right. security. That's we're correct. not a security company. That's right. With the Carbon Black acquisition is. We're boldly making a statement that we are a security company. This intrinsic security approach is going to change the way you do security. Yes, it's built into infrastructure a little bit, but our history comes from that infrastructure, but we can change the, the shape of the industry going forward. Right, and if I were running SDDC right now, I would feel better. Right. Oh yeah. yeah, I would just feel you can actually rely on VMware now to be in that business threat assessments and and all of that. Because oh yeah, of oh yeah, acquisition. Absolutely, and, and the, you know just to click on that threat report, you know what we established was again security was a team sport because we did both a CISO and a CIO conversation with DevSecOps and the developers. So we did a little bit of a hey, sure your reports in the past were you know historically very much on, oh, I've got this threat reports analysis on endpoints. I can tell you all the latest you know, threat vectors and threat hunters. We actually changed it a little bit up to say, huh, what's happening in DevSecOps? <laughs> what's happening? You know, so CIO and CISO, I got this threat report, but how does you know, CISO can you know, pause every, and reach every bullet point? Whereas why does the CIO care? The CIO cares because he's trying to roll out new applications yeah. from cloud services, and he needs to know where he needs to apply DevSecOps. You know, the CIO cares because, you know, all of those, you know, where's my... So, so we put this interesting angle between a CIO and a CISO as to how the threat, you know, assessments play out, not just from a CISO lens, but also from a CIO lens. Yeah. Now, I think um, what we're doing and um, the idea of being able to correlate across these control points is pretty, pretty impressive. I think it's going to be useful to lots and lots of companies. Oh, yeah. So we're going to shape the, the market. Uh, really, I think that's uh, that's our key. Is you know who doesn't want to reduce the the complexity of their security tools, right? Who doesn't want to simplify their life? You know, I think and 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 drive this, right? I, uh, everybody is in this mess. I I do believe in the security market because the, you know they've been applying band aids and patches over patches over patches, and uh, they've never had the opportunity to step back and clean up those tool set. I think we provide them the approach to clean it up. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I got to say that uh, it's it's challenging. I look at our own IT and I look at you know, what you talked about where we reduced a uh, number of tools and all the work you have to do that. And it just doesn't happen overnight, right? Three years. It's, it's an investment to, to get here. And actually just getting with VMware and taking advantage of all the work we've done just accelerates your ability to accomplish this. Right? Oh, absolutely. You know, our, our, our CISO is very busy telling everybody that story. Yeah. So we usually finish up uh, with talking about sort of what's coming up for you next and, you know, where are you off to and uh, assume it's not China. <laughs> <laughs> We're not traveling anywhere. But, you know, I think RSA was, a, you know, um, a significant moment for us um, this week. Um, you know, obviously, internally, we have all our sales kickoffs and things like that next week. But the week after that, we have our big uh, modern application launch oh, right. that we're launching, Absolutely. right? So I think That's we're right. finding, you know, I know we talked about security, everything else, right? But again, in, in the whole kind of pivotal acquisition, we find ourselves in a unique position. And there's a security component to this as well, as you write modern apps, is, you know, finally, we're able to bring microservices and containers together, IaaS and PaaS together. And we spoke about a converging IaaS and PaaS almost like, you know, when Ian Bogomil presented this in 2012 together. But I think it was the wrong construct mm -hmm. because we presented microservices, but it was still on VMs, right? Uh, now we can actually bring microservices to containers, right, uh, with the HIPTO acquisition. So big launch I'm looking forward to is March 10th when we 
launch this and uh, take it to market. I'm super excited about it. I'm not just security. I'm cloud and apps and everything. Cool. <laughs> Are we going to have a security kind of uh, track at VMworld this year? Absolutely. And, and it's going to be real this year because we have Carbon Black. I know that, uh, you know, let's just talk about my my impressions of Carbon Black. Is like I look at their community because I run social and community oh, yeah. at VMware. I look at their community. Their community is awesome. They're invite only. It's not like our community that's completely wide open. You know, they have, you know, 10,000 people, but they're like invite only. You're like a security ops person. Oh, yeah. You know, like oh, yeah. They talk in code, right? You know, like they, they don't tweet everything out that they're doing. But I see that coming into VMware and I see that being offered up at VMworld. I got to imagine that the topics that are going to be talked about here are much more interesting with a collection of people that live and breathe this stuff, right? Oh, no kidding. I, you know, um, the thing about the security, you know, industry or the the folks are they very they won't you know they're not that social in nature. No, they're not. They are, they they won't share that much. And this is where you know we talk about this. Hey, we reduced our footprint from 100 plus products to everybody's like, show me that. It's like I can't because I don't want to throw out the VMware IT blueprint outside <laughs> to anyone, and I don't want to talk about it. Right. So they're very they're very keen, but then it's built on trust and relationship because. Uh, the, it's, the reason it's invite only is I don't want a hacker coming in and providing me some ideas. I ha you have to build the trust that you are here working as a team. Right. And a lot of the times when a, you know, a breach happens, the f quickest way it reaches everybody so that everybody fixes it is not social media, it's community. Right, because sure. right. Now this, these guys all trust each other. When they right. see a new pattern, they share it in their environment, and they have the the op like the open source community or this right. uh, trusted community who's solving this problem together. Because they all will need to face that breach right. at some point in time or ransomware. Right, so right. The, it's it's. Interesting it's how they come you, together. When right? you run a hackathon with them, it's oh, yeah. not how to build something, it's how to break something. Oh, yeah. Right? It's, it's, it's oh, just yeah. a different animal. Oh, no. I would say we were running at the Carbon Black booth, we were running uh, threat hunting challenges. So, right. we, they were, so we hope to bring that at VMworld. Right, so we are, we're looking. You know, we tried our Odyssey at, at VMworld. We did a little security one with you know NSX alone, but with Carbon Black and NSX and everything at RSA, we you, people had thirty minutes. There was right. a challenge, and they were given some things to break into different things. So there it's was like a like capture a flag, kind capture of a flag, right. hidden everywhere, and oh my God, they were first individuals. They right. were not able to solve it. Now there are teams. Yesterday when it's there, there are four people together going, you know, 30 minutes, right. I'm gonna right. get this, right. get this, get right. this, get this, get right. this. Oh my God, there's a queue waiting to get in and ha you know beat that, right? And they all want to get it in 30 minutes. Cool. Yeah, it's a it, it, it's it's nice to see it, right? I feel yeah. like we are a security company now, right? And Absolutely. We, we have adopted, you know, ten thousand security experts in their own community that are coming. They'll be part of VMware, uh, VM World, and uh, and and everybody can come here. It's one of the big reasons when I talk about come to VM World, right? Go see the Modern Apps launch on March tenth. Oh, yeah. Come to VM World because we've actually, you know, jumped up. And if you look at uh, the amount of traffic we have on certain topics now, it's up by a hundred percent because. Carbon Black brings us in and brings it to the entire 5 million ecosystem people that already engage with SDDC but just never were part of a security, no, no, hey, security world. I think we have this unique opportunity, right? I think yeah. it's just, you know, uh, truly to disrupt the security and app space. Who would have thought? Yeah. And certainly reducing the number of uh, tools you have to use, there's a benefit there just in terms of reduction of complexity, right? Yeah. So it's like, it's all good. I think it's all good. Manib. Menhazendeen. There you go. <laughs> Vice President of Solutions and Product Marketing, Dave Jasso. Any final questions from a? None for Manib? me. It's been great talking with you today. It has oh, been great. Thanks for here. coming up on a RSA Conference Week and being here and uh, being in this amazing sunny day here. Oh, it's a beautiful uh, day. You really, say hello you're to in people the hot seat on the video there, stream. Right? Say hello to those. Say oh, yep. Hey, nice, nice good seeing everybody. Folks, yeah. Uh, it's it's great to have you. Uh, I know I've seen all of the all of the uh, patents on your on your office wall, and I'm <laughs> okay. constantly impressed by that. And uh, the fact that you're still doing Linux kernel stuff, or at least getting some notifications, is like that's awesome. <laughs> Awesome. Keep up the good work. Thank you, everyone. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.